0: Within my soul, he's not because everything goes well the peace that I have within my soul is because I serve the Lord of love. Circumstances No, no, no I see His love His great love My lead is my Savior I will rejoice I don't see the circumstances No, no, no I see His love His great love My lead is my Savior I will rejoice shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the even if the mountains be moved to the sea, and the earth be shaken, I will try. No, 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 I see His love, His great love, my Lord is my Savior. I will rejoice. I don't see the circumstances. No, 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 I see His love, His great love, my Lord is my Savior. I will rejoice. joy that I have within my soul, is not because everything goes well, that joy that I have within my soul, is because Jesus is my Lord the circumstances, no, no, no I see His love, His great love, my lead is my Savior I will rejoice I don't see the circumstances no, no, no I see His love, His great love, my lead is my Savior I will rejoice rejoice in the God of my salvation. Oh glory, oh glory, hallelujah, glory, hallelujah to the Lord, oh glory, oh glory, hallelujah, Glory hallelujah i will rejoice i don't see the circumstances no 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 i see his love is great love my lead is my savior i will rejoice i don't see the circumstances no 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 i see his love is Great love, my lead is my savior. I will rejoice I will rejoice Amen.
1: All right. I like that song. I like the catchy little tune, it's great. anybody need notes? They have some notes for you. If you don't have them, if you have a bulletin, they're in there. But if you don't have them, they will get you fixed up. We're headed to Proverbs thirteen tonight. Proverbs 13 I think we're just going to rope off the back of the church on Sunday nights. This is awesome. I love this. Just buy one rope. You have, to, you have to play limbo on your way in, though, to get to your seat. how many of you don't even know what limbo is? I guess I shouldn't have brought that up at church. Okay, Proverbs 13. Let's start in verse number 14. The law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. And let's pray. Father, we pray that you would Guide us tonight through this lesson. We know that it's a subject that's incredibly important to our lives. And and I pray that you would help me to uh, deliver it with meekness, with Holy Spirit power. And that you'd help us to receive it according to your will. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Recent studies tell us that in 6th through 12th graders, they they, uh, surveyed 100,000 students. So it's a pretty good sample. 6th through 12th graders, 30% um, had used an illicit drug in the past 12 months. Out of uh, 12th graders in the same survey, 40.8% had used illicit drugs in the past 12 months. That's two out of every five. Out of that same survey, 75.6% of seniors had had at least one alcoholic drink in the past year. That's three out of every four. Um, 31.1% of 6th through 8th graders had smoked a cigarette in the past year 49.2% of 9th through 12th graders had smoked in the past year And in the survey um, they reached a lot of different conclusions But in the kind of the afterwork of the survey um, One of the things that they found And yeah, this was one that I think everybody already knew But most adult smokers began as teens. And so that's why this survey was so important. Now, as we get into your notes, I I want to um, cover a lot of ground, a lot of territory tonight in a short time. So let's start right off. Many young people, even Christian young people, are trying to find happiness in all the wrong places. And Miss Joanna just sang about this. Um, I don't see the circumstances, no, 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 right? And where was she saying about finding joy? Find joy in Jesus. But this trap that we're talking about tonight happens primarily because of four reasons. One is stress. You have a person who is seeking escape, and they're trying to get away from their own lives, and so they turn to some type of a substance. Another one is curiosity. Uh, a lot of people get hooked on substances because they started out just being curious. I think that just about every young person has been curious before about things about life. Whether it has to do with physical relationships, whether it has to do with alcohol or cigarettes or whatever it may be, um, people think and they're having to wonder what that's like. And so curiosity, another one's peer pressure. Um, They are craving a mentor. They need somebody to look up to, and so they look up to the wrong person. They look up to the cool guy who has all of these bad habits. The last one is rebellion. Rebellion is a cry for help, and a lot of teens are crying for help, and all we see is that they're being rebellious, but they're really crying for help. So we're going to give some help, hopefully, tonight to parents and to teens about this trap. So let's start on number one for parents. And we say this. Teaching and modeling a rich love relationship with Jesus Christ will draw our child away from a desire from any false high. Okay? So every substance that you try to make you joyful doesn't work, except for Jesus Christ. People know this, right? You cannot eat your way to happiness. You cannot have any substance that's going to make you happy. Look at Psalm chapter 43. So back in the Psalms. Psalm chapter 43. And I think God just had Miss Joanna sing that song tonight because this is exactly what it's talking about. Psalm 43, verse number 4. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. And so the psalmist said, listen, God is my exceeding joy. There's nothing else I need to make me happy. Look back to Psalm 16. Psalm chapter 16. Unfortunately, what happens is people is as very young people, begin to look for false highs or false joy, and they carry it into their relationships. And they say, if only I could have that guy, I'd be happy. If only I could have that girl, I'd be happy. And then they get there, and they're not happy. And so they say, well, if I could have that guy, I'd be happy. Or that girl, or that thing, or that trip, or this place, I could be happy. And they jump in the pond, from lily pad to lily pad to lily pad, and none of them work. Psalm 16, verse number 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. The greatest pleasure that you can ever be involved in is to do what God has created you to do. To live the way that God has created you to live. And so these substances that we're going to talk about tonight are false highs that people try to use to escape or because they're curious or because they're crying for help in their lives. We say underneath this one in number one, young people should think, I like who God made me. And I don't need something extra to make me like myself. I like who God made me. I don't need something extra to like myself. I was reading in a book the other day a story about a a dad who was dealing with his son, and his son had gone off to college, and he was joining, uh, what's the Phi Beta Kappa, all that stuff, fraternity. He was joining a fraternity. And to join the fraternity, um, you had to guzzle a bottle of champagne. And so, when it came his turn, he, he had already determined when he went to college he wasn't going to drink alcohol. And so, when it came his turn, he took the bottle and took the cork off and shot it at everybody, the whole bottle. Now, you say, well, it, he shouldn't even be there in that situation or whatever. You can be the judge of all that. But here's what he came back and told his dad. This is... This, to me, was a huge discerning statement for a young person to make. He said, Dad, here's why, people, here's why people drink. They don't like themselves when they're sober. They don't like themselves when they're sober. They don't have acceptance in God. They're not experiencing a godly acceptance And the best thing we could possibly do for our young people is to teach them from a very young age that they are accepted in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 7 says we are accepted in the beloved. We are accepted in Jesus Christ. And look, if we understand that God made us fearfully and wonderfully, not just our bodies, but our emotions and every part of us, he made us to be who we are. It's so sad to see kids who get to 15 or 16 or 17 years old, and all of a sudden they become a different person. And you may be able to talk through them and get to them. And if you could get inside that soul a little bit, and they tell you, I'm trying to, I've actually heard people say this before, I'm trying to change my personality so that people like me. Isn't that weird? I'm trying to change my personality so that people like me. God already gave you a personality. You have to be who God made you to be. And there is no substance in the world that can make you a different person in God's eyes. Now, it can ruin your life on this earth, but it doesn't change who you are in God's eyes. And so you have to be very careful that you like who God made you to be. And we have to train young people to do that. Number two. Parents, number two, we will present a model of personal behavior that minimizes our child's opportunity to have any excuse to use or abuse substances. So, one of the best things that we can do is take the opportunities out of play. It's kind of like we talked about in the, when we talked about the physical relationship trap you know what the best way is for your kids never to mess up in a physical relationship? Don't ever be there. Don't ever be alone with a boy or a girl. If you're a a girl or a boy, however we say that. Um, So so the best thing that you can do on these substances is take it out of the equation. And a lot of parents, um, God bless their heart, that unfortunately they don't understand that their own lifestyle affects their child's lifestyle. Right. The way that they live affects how their child lives. It's impossible for you to say, don't do as I do, do as I say. That doesn't work. They're going to do as you do. And your walk is going to talk much louder than your talk. We stand underneath this, Although the Bible may not specifically prohibit substances, we do not want to give out a confusing message or even temptation. Listen, this isn't a Bible study on what substances are biblical and which ones aren't. Right, I think the Holy Spirit can apply that in your life just fine. Um, this isn't about if there are certain alcohols that are okay and there are certain ones that aren't. Um, a long time ago, here's what we determined at our house: God has given us children in our home. We don't ever want them to be confused or get a mixed message to think that there's one kind of alcohol that's okay, and then there's another kind that's not okay. And so, you guess what we decided? We're just not going to drink. I mean, it's so plain in the scripture: wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Proverbs 20, verse 1. And so if you take that out of the equation, then you help your young person. And you don't send a mixed message. Do you know that many teenage drug users started taking drugs from the medicine cabinet at home? Things start very close to home. In fact, most drug users overall, not just teenage drug users, but most drug users overall start with a drug in their own home. Satan has temptations and traps for us at every turn. He does. He provides plenty of places for us to fall. And our flesh provides plenty of places for us to fall. You know, what's sad is when we provide traps for our own children to fall in. With our own lifestyle, when we provide traps for our own children to fall in, we've talked about it in the entertainment one. Uh, I mean, look, if you've got cable or satellites at your home and you don't have some type of parental control on there, or even if you have channels that are ungodly, I mean ungodly, 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 on your, your DVD, VCR, whatever it is, you're providing a trap for your kid to fall in you basically might as well dig the pit and then say, okay, go ahead and fall in there. But that's sometimes what we do with substances as well because we have them around the house or the kids know what's really going on. And we've got to be careful about what God leads us to do in this area. And we have to really pray and we really have to ask God to help us make decisions in this area. Let's look at number three. Number three This is a big one We will stay emotionally connected To our child Offering him or her Generous attention Acceptance Affection Love Do you know even the world understands this connection Modern researchers Modern researchers Conclude this, This is I mean Obvious that connectedness with parents protects adolescents. Kids who do not have a connection with their parents emotionally are much more susceptible to substances and to suicide. Um, in, I, the life group I was in this morning, somebody, I don't even remember who it was, said that Idaho is the third highest state in the nation per capita for teen suicide. Unbelievable. Utah is really high up there, too. I don't know if anybody's seeing the connection on that. Um, when you have an aggressive cultish religion that promotes that I will not accept you unless you do this behavior, and there's no attachment to a true godly relationship, you're asking for your kids to falter and fail. And I, I believe that one of the reasons why suicide is so prevalent in Utah and Idaho is because of a certain cult that has destructive tendencies. But you know, Christians are not immune. Christians are not immune to any of these problems. You know, the divorce rate for Christians is almost as high as anybody else. The substance abuse, the suicide rate, we have just as many problems as anybody else. Guess why? Because of sin. As long as there's sin in the world in general, we're going to have problems. And there are going to be traps. And God wants us to be vigilant and to connect with our kids emotionally. You know, uh, I've seen some suggestions and and, uh, heard about one family that they lived in a town where there was a rough side of town. And here's what they did when their kids were 13 or 14. They took them to the rough side of town at about 11 o'clock at night. And they showed them what it's like. They showed them what the gutter is like. They took them to an AA meeting. And you know what the kids discovered? It was different than they show you in the beer commercials on TV. Not everybody there was handsome or pretty. Not everything was giggles and fun. There were hurting people. Who were wounded by substances. And I don't think it's a bad idea to take your kids to some of these things. And to show them the other side of sin. Uh, I've dealt before with drug users who are at the very bottom. And I'm telling you what, there is not a worse place in the world to be. There's not a worse place in the world to be. But a lot of times when you're 16 and 17. And you're looking for a mentor in your life. And your friend says, hey, this made me happy. I enjoy this. Try one of these. Then people succumb sometimes to peer pressure if they don't know ahead of time what they're going to do. And so there, there are some ways that we can try to help with this. And let's talk about for teens, number one. For teens, number one. I will honor and protect my own body because it is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I think everybody probably has heard this verse before, but let's look at it. 1 Corinthians 6. This is a great verse for you to apply to to your life and for me to apply to my life. 1 Corinthians 6. Verse 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? Which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, we, we all know, every one of us knows that sin starts in the heart. It all starts in the heart. But it can come out on the surface as many different things. And uh, there are things when we talk about young people, the traps that we've covered and the ones that we still have yet to cover, where parents... Those are things they really worry about. They really connect with some of these issues. And some parents go as far, uh, you kids might like this one. Some parents go as far as to make a deal with their teens as soon as they turn 13. And here's what they said. They made a certificate and they said, if you complete high school without drinking alcohol, doing any drugs, smoking, or having sex, we will buy you a car. That's uh, pretty cool? Now, it just said a running car. It's like you take it to the top of the hill and it runs downhill. Um, but, but parents go to those extremes. Now, now, listen. Sometimes Christian parents say, well, our kids should be good just because they're Christians. But Christian kids have just as much of a deceitful heart as anybody else. And guess who Satan wants to trick even more than the kids who he already has influence over the ones that he doesn't and so that's, that's a neat idea and there are covenants and vows that you can make and I've seen all those things with kids but but you know it really comes down young people to a decision that you have to make to say hey God gave me a body I only have one it's the only one he gave me I will use it for his glory We mentioned last week that whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Before you put a substance in your body, you should be able to ask the question, does this glorify God? Now, you say, well, what about caffeine? Right? Do you remember what I told you earlier? I'm not talking about any certain substance, but I know you're jumping there. Pastor, there are more gluttons than there are drunks. Right? I know how the mind works. Um, sometimes, and and it's true, you go to preaching conferences and you get guys who are up there preaching to Christians about sins that Christians supposedly don't even have and they weigh 400 pounds. And you're sitting there the whole time thinking, well, why don't you preach on gluttony? Why don't you preach on gluttony? Right? So so what do the crowd, what is the crowd at a church service always thinking about? The issue that you don't have. The issue that you don't have. But God is speaking to your heart about an issue that you do have. That's why the Bible said, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. We all have issues. We all do. Every one of us. And some of our issues are on the surface. Some of our issues are these substances that are being abused. But for others, our issues are... Deep issues that nobody really knows about because they're deep in our thought life, or they're hypocrisy, or there's a pharisaical attitude going on inside of us. So we all have to be aware of what goes on in our body that it glorifies God. Number two, for teens. I will decide in advance what I will do when presented with the opportunity to smoke drink alcohol, or use other drugs. Okay, so once again, we're not taking any substance and doing a Bible study here and saying, hey, this this is why this isn't right or this is why it is. But you ought to think ahead of time, what are you going to do if this comes your way? And this is a great thing to talk about at the dinner table. This is a great thing to talk about in advance with your young people. You know, sometimes we, we don't talk about a whole lot of church issues at our house. We try to have normal family life. And we don't want to um, discourage our kids. So we don't ever say, oh, Brother So-and-so, down church mean to us at the dinner table. Because that could discourage them, right? And that's why a lot of pastor's kids don't ever want to come back to church after they're 18. Because mom and dad, that's all they did at home. is said, oh, Brother So-and-so, trying to hurt us. And Miss Long Tongue is talking about our family again. And they go off on that stuff. But... From time to time, you know what we do? We do bring up people who are hurting in sin because they've made bad choices in their life. Because we have to talk about those things. Christian people have to talk about issues of sin so that we know what we're facing. So that we know what decisions we have to make. And so... Do a decide-in-advance type thing on those. Now, let's talk about what if you do suspect substance abuse. Because it does happen. It does happen in Christian kids. Um, I had a woman walk into my office one day, just bawling, crying. Nobody in here knows her. Um, So I can tell this story. She was just crying and crying. What is going on? What's going on? Oh, it's little Johnny. I'm just going to call him Johnny. Little Johnny, he got busted for marijuana and he's been doing it for a year and we didn't even know. And she's just crying and bawling and crying at it. And so she was all upset. And listen, there could be a time, I hope it never happens. With all the young people in this room, I hope they live. Just pure, clean, wonderful lives That they never touch a drop of alcohol They don't ever get addicted to nicotine They don't ever take any bad drugs I hope it happens But reality says that somebody in here Is going to try something Somebody in here is going to do the wrong thing And if that happens, Parent, If you suspect that it's happening Could I give you an important sentence That's not in your notes Here's what it is Don't look the other way. Don't say, this is not happening. My kid would never do this. Famous last words. Your kid probably would do a lot of things that you don't think he would do. And by the way, you did a lot of things that your parents didn't think you would do too. And some of the things that you did, your parents still don't know you did them. And sometimes you admit like 20 years down the road that you did them. My son this week, how old are you? 15. He told me, two years ago, Dad, and he's laughing, two years ago in school, this funny thing happened. What happened? Well, our teacher went out of the room for a minute, and you came down the hall, and we had made this girl go outside through the window, and we locked her out there. And so... And so when you came down the hall and came into our room, we all stood in front of the window and addressed you with respect. My own ungodly flesh and blood. Unbelievable. You've done things that nobody knew about. You've wounded yourself before. Maybe you've wounded other people. And if you suspect something happening with your kids, do not look the other way. So let me give you some, just some general things here at the bottom of your notes that you just have to keep kind of tabs on thinking through some of this. One is, does your child often take a change of clothes when he goes out with friends? Right? If he does, that doesn't mean that he's going to play basketball all the time. It may mean that he's going to go do some really naughty things with substances, and then right before he comes back home, change clothes. And so watch that one. Another one. Does your child use breath fresheners or mints excessively? Now, I would recommend that some people actually use those. Um, Not possibly excessively, but you should use those. But if they're using them excessively, they're probably trying to cover up for something. Have you seen a can or bottle of product called Oseum? They use that in morgues to hide the smell. And if you ever see that, a can of that, you may wonder what's going on with your kid. Um, But listen, if you ever do have something happen regarding to substance abuse with your young people, the last thing that you want to do is give up on them. The last thing you want to do is get rid of them. Now, there, there are times for tough love, and there are times when I have parents call me and say, Pastor, we're, our son's down at the clink, and he's calling us to get him out. Should we get him out? I don't know. I mean, Sometimes people ask pastors stuff you wouldn't believe. Like, what should we do about this? I don't know. Take it up with him. <laughs> I mean, how would I know what you're supposed to do? You give him the, well... And to be godly about this, turn to 1 John chapter 4, you know, on the phone. Um, I don't know what they're supposed to do. Sometimes maybe they should leave men for the night, let them experience that. But there comes a point we have to understand something very important. Think about this for a second. Who wants you to give up on your loved one? Who wants you to give up? Satan does. Because he knows that you may be the only one left who cares. You may be the only one left who's going to stop them from permanently destroying their lives. And so he wants you to give up. And we're not going to let him. The Bible says we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if there is a substance abuse, I would encourage you to realize that it's just a symptom. It's not the problem. The problem is the human heart. And usually, if there's a substance abuse problem, there's also a problem in the heart with guilt, or anger, or greed, or jealousy. I did a whole series on that a while back. You guys remember that? Guilt says, anybody remember what it says? I owe you. Anger says, you owe me. Greed says, I owe me. this is what addicts say. People who are addicted, they say, I owe myself. I've been good for a day, I owe myself this. Jealousy says, God owes me. And sometimes it comes around to thinking that you don't like this person or you're jealous of that person. But what you're really saying to God is, God, you could have done better in my life. You could have given me a better personality. You could have given me better looks. You could have made me more popular. And because you didn't do your job, God, now I have to turn to alcohol or drugs. And that's what's really happening in the inner parts of the heart. People are blaming God and saying, God, if you didn't do this, if you didn't take her away or him away or this away in my life, I wouldn't have to turn here. And there's a process Where people are blaming God So this is a big issue I know many churches now have Recovery programs right in the church I I wouldn't hesitate to have one If God would allow us to have one in the future But listen to me There are people In church tonight Including me Who have issues We have issues You know why? Why? Because we're people. We're sinners. And even though we're sinners, saved by grace, we have issues. And so, encourage one another. Help one another. And with your young people, you have to talk about these things. Sometimes just sit down with your young people and say, Hey, you know anybody at school who's talking about drugs? Now, at Centennial Baptist School, we hope that it's very rare that the answer to that would be yes. Yes. We really try to screen who comes into the school, but you never know what's walking in the door sometimes. Anybody talking about parties or drinking or doing all these different things, you have to talk through. You can't be naive. You can't live in this shell that says, you know what? This kid is just going to always be just wonderful, pure, pure clean and holy. Because if you think that, you're living in a false reality. We live in an unholy world. We live in a world where culture promotes sin as this fashionable, wonderful thing to do. Where adultery is the norm and homosexuality is on the rise. And if you talk against it, you're a hater and you're politically incorrect. And possibly in years to come, you'll be thrown in jail. And if you tell people that they shouldn't do things and hurt their body, then you're mean. But then the world does their own studies, and they say that they want to outlaw certain substances. In New York City, you can't buy a Big Gulp anymore. Right? Can't buy a Big Gulp anymore. No more big sugary drinks in New York City. Because that's what's hurting people. That's the bad stuff. Right? But you can walk down on 5th Avenue and buy whatever illicit drug you want. It? So we live in a crooked, deceitful, wicked world. And yet, as I quoted earlier from Romans eight thirty-seven, 37, They and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. God has an answer for these issues in our life. If you ever have something that's too big for you, I'd love to talk to you. I'm sorry I already told you the secret that I don't know the answers. But I'd still love to talk to you and pray with you and help you the best I could. If you have a young person who falls into this trap, don't give up on them. Don't quit on them. That's what Satan wants you to do. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed in a closing word. Father, we thank you for the bodies that you've given us. We know that our body is not a part of us that will live forever. But we do pray that you'll help us to use these bodies to your glory. To do our very best to understand that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Pray that you'd help us to befriend and to help and to love those who are struggling. The best that we can with any patience that you would give us, and any charity and any hope that we could offer. Bless us as we go to our homes. Keep us safe now tonight. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.